0: How old, Atari? Do the math. All this and more, coming up on This Week in Retro.
1: High resolution color graphics. This land of high technology. The revolution in technology that made the information age possible. Those kids are not afraid of computers. Are the Jaguar and Spectrum doomed? The scale of retro. And checkmate Commodore. All this and more, coming up on this week's show up-to-date news for out-of-date tech
0: good afternoon good morning Dave how you going (laughs) I'm better are you still ill are you still full of viruses I'm I'm less full of
1: viruses. I think my voice is pretty much back to normal, and I won't have to continually mute my microphone this episode, which is a good thing, I think. Or maybe it's a bad thing. I don't know. Let us know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, much better. Thank you. Uh, good to hear you are too. Uh, don't know how Neil's, do you know how Neil's going?
0: Because he's not with us this week, is he? He thinks he might have a chest infection. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, That's not good. Um, nah. he seems to he's, he's been so run down, I think, with this stuff. Um mm-hmm. anyway, the good news is for Duncan he doesn't need to do an editing marathon to cut out all the coughs and splutters and chokes. Um okay. people won't know, even if you watched it, even if you watched it rather than listened, Duncan would cut away from uh from Chris so you wouldn't see Chris hacking up stuff I visually as well was. as orally. I yeah. so was. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks, Rincol, for chopping all that out. Um, yeah, not too bad. First of all, get well soon, Neil. If you have got a chest infection, that's a nasty thing. So do get well. Um, but yeah, no, week's been okay. Back to work properly, I guess, this week. Last week was a bit on and off, if I must say, after my um unscheduled trip as well. Um, but I think I think this week, Dave, what's 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 hit my attention this week is well, actually, we're celebrating. Two birthdays. On on the day this airs, there's one birthday, which may or may not be mine. Yay me. And the other birthday at the time this airs would have been two days ago. Um, and I think this is possibly a bit of a scoop for us, Dave, because good because this hasn't hit my feed, right? Nobody's mentioned it in the Reddit. I'm not seeing any of the major outlets cover it. And it's not even on the Atari website because it is an Atari piece of news, this one. So either we've got a scoop or I'm completely wrong, but (laughs) I think the birthday we also need to celebrate is the Atari Jaguars. Well, I won't say how old it is yet, but it's to do with the Atari Jaguar. It's a significant birthday for the Jag, and it happened on the 23rd of November. Now, I think most people relate June of 1994 as the launch of the Atari Jaguar, but apparently- According to my research, and I will put my sources in the show notes, they were actually first sold in limited numbers in New York and San Francisco on November 23rd, 1993. Now, Dave, I know you like numbers, and I'm rubbish, rubbish at maths on the spot. Um, 1993, 2003, how old does that make the Atari Jaguar?
0: Well, that would make it 10 years old.
1: You'll <laughs> make it... What did I just say? Oh, did I say 2003? You did... Well, there goes. Now, I've messed up this one, haven't I? Okay, so 1993, I told you I was no good at math, to 2023. How old is the day? I'll
0: make, make it 30 years
1: old. No, you're still wrong. You're wrong. Even though I was wrong, you're also wrong. It's clearly 64. Dave, do the math. It's Atari math. It's 64. It's always it's always 64. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll celebrate it again next year, but happy 30th birthday, Atari Jaguar. Um, and like I said, my sources will be in the show notes. How's your
0: week been, Dave? Have you got a birthday? No, no birthdays this uh, week, but I have bought my my first ibm pc i've never owned an actual ibm ah, and okay. i was on ebay which is a, a silly place for me to be i was on ebay and i happened to find out that you know those iconic ps2 things where they get big switch on them yeah they are they're not as big as the original ones so they're more the more more manageable yeah It turns out that not all of them have that daft MCA, the micro-channel things on them. There there was a range of Model 30 286s, and those have ISA slots in them, ISA slots. So I bought myself one of those untested. Yeah. And it arrived. The floppy drive had been removed. Yeah. Some of the memory had been removed, Mm -hmm. and all the output is magenta. Uh, oh no the green is missing so i've been trying to repair that i've done a continuity test from the port all the way to the Ramdak. and mm. the Ramdak doesn't the continuity is there but it doesn't seem to be operating green so i desoldered it it's really struggled with a ground plane i got that sorted with a drill Mm. Uh, just a little hand drill to sort out one of the pins. And um, I am now waiting on a replacement RamDak, and I'm really worried that it might not fix it, because if it's magenta only, then it makes it more difficult. But uh. there are workarounds. But I, I have bought what is a bad 286 in terrible condition for far too much money just because it's an IBM, because I want that iconic IBM with a great big that 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 paddle power button that could clunk clunk and the iconic nice. PS2 looks to it. Um, if I am get it working it'd be great. It'd be great.
1: That's cool. The reason why I was gaping when you said IBM PS2 is because my second ever PC was an IBM PS2, a used 486 SX. So that was, that was my, yeah, yeah. Nice with the they little so split-down door at the front. Yeah, well, I got this at auction, so it was an office because by this time, 4860Xs and all that were coming out and scom was a place that you could go and they were even talking about Pentium. So I was fairly late, you know, as I always was when I got into PCs buying used because it was cheaper um, and it was an yeah. auction place selling off old office kits. So that's how I got my hands on that. Um, but I quite liked it. Yeah, it was cool. very Quite a unique look and feel to the front of them.
0: Yeah, the weird thing is that... Um- IBMs were made in Greenock, which is uh, about 15 miles from me, I think. So 15 miles away, they were all made, but they were so expensive for the UK market Mm. that we almost people almost always bought something else they bought amstrads and then later they bought tinies and all sorts of different pcs yeah. as ibm kind of fell apart in the ps2 kind of era but yeah i've always wanted a, a proper ibm i never thought i would get one i thought they were too expensive and i thought the ones that were mca were just too too difficult to work with but now i've got one and maybe i'll get it fixed up and maybe it will go next to me so i'm quite excited about that but also i'm doing something else this week i'm going down to the cave
1: oh that's right
0: you're going on my birthday no i'm not well i'm driving down your birthday actually but it's the day after your birthday that the the, the event is it's a sunday It's a john boat of carl shawler um himself amigos is going to the cave on the sunday i'm going there i'm looking forward to it um and uh, I'll be seeing Neil and hopefully I'll be recording this week in retro on the monday from the cave
1: that'd be fantastic that'd be so good
0: yeah cuz you it's... you've you've done, you've done chris in the cave have done that yeah, so yeah maybe maybe we'll get dave in the cave maybe
1: how ironic is it that i did actually have to go on a fleeting visit to the uk in november and still missed another opportunity i always seem to miss the events
0: and the big opportunities um, i know yeah. but you you're not you're not close by the cave when you're in the UK, though it's not as if it's 45 minutes away. No, no. Otherwise, you would have been.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially not if you're driving there in a Fiat 500 from Kent, which is what I did last time. took a little bit longer (laughs) than 45 minutes. Right, shall we get on with the show? Okay, we've just mentioned that it's the Atari Jaguar's 30th birthday, and I'm still standing by that. Um, And I don't want to bash it on its birthday, but... Much as I love it, and I've got nostalgia towards it, the Atari Jaguar on release was, and these are in my own words, a fake 64-bit console built using 32-bit chips and used to play 16-bit games badly. I'm sorry, I've said it um, as somebody that owned one. You know, Poor Tom and Jerry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but it did did have two things in its favour, and it's not Tom and Jerry. One was Alien vs. Predator, a very clever Wolfenstein 3D clone with a movie license. And the other was the fact that it was doomed from day one. No, no, sorry, not doomed. The fact that it had a port of Doom on it. Um, And other than the shareware Doom on my clunky 386DX, it's actually the Jaguar port of Doom that I actually played from start to finish. Um, I absolutely loved that port, and I didn't care that some of the levels uh, were slightly compromised in terms of the map design or that the music was missing, and in fact, it was years and years later that somebody had to point out that the music was missing for me to even realise. Probably because I used to mute it on the PC anyway and listen to something else.
0: That's strange because uh, I, I I get that with Quake. People played their own music with Quake, but for Doom, the music was really part of it for me.
1: Yeah, true. But then Quake had a decent soundtrack as well, especially Quake 2. Uh, but that's just one of those things. No, I just love listening to therapy, as I think we've mentioned before, and the Terminator 2 soundtrack when playing Doom 2 for reasons unknown, but it worked for me. I certainly, going back to the Atari Jaguar port, I certainly didn't see the need for this port to be remade, except for maybe one reason, which I'll come to right at the very end. Um But Doom for the Jaguar has indeed been remade to make it more like the original PC version, including the music. And not just that, but according to the story on Time Extension by Damon McFerrin, uh, they've also done Doom 2 and are working on Heretic as well. These ports are the work of Welsh Welsh Warrior, Rick Day, Lawrence Stavely, uh, Saturn, the entire planet, and Matt Smith, um, and even include support for the pro controller because you know sometimes a d-pad and 15 buttons just are not enough um so D- doom running on a jaguar is impressive only in that it proves that things like the atari falcon and the amiga 1200 could have easily managed back in the day even though they were never given the chance hell even a snes even the snes got a port hey
0: amiga 1200 could it really have done doom any, any justice if
1: the Jaguar can do if a SNES could do it, of course it could have done it. Of course it could have done it. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no... Prob- well... I- so you, so you reckon a Falcon could have done, but the Amiga twelve hundred couldn't? Yeah, that's a stretch. Yeah. That's a stretch, Dave. That's a stretch. Uh, not at all. Fal- Falcons,
0: Falcons. Well, it has the O30, respect, i O three O. I'll give it that. I'll give it yeah. that. But yeah, nah, nah, and, no, no, could... no. And and all the other stuff. But yeah, I'll lean back
1: on the Snes argument, Dave. I'll lean yeah. back on the Snes and the fact that the you know the the Jaguar is a Motorola roller um, sixty eight thousand
0: anyway. I guess the the Falcon was a, a really small market, unfortunately, and the Snes yeah. was an enormous market. They couldn't really ignore it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Good enough. Fair enough
1: yeah 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 and, and, and that's what it comes down to the A 1200 wasn't a massive market either and that yeah. was the reason it wasn't that it couldn't be done it was all just about the economics of the of the project
0: um it's better to say the Amiga's rubbish though it's better to say that just to wind people up only because push it's push you some Dave
1: buttons. only because yeah. it's you you keep trying to push <laughs> the buttons and I just know there's actually another port talking about other ports um you know and other things that could play doom another port has surfaced again so this was shared with us by Starcade. Twenty eighty four, uh, He linked us to a story on Indie Retro News about a recovered TZX file for the Spectrum containing a port of Doom for the 128K machines. Um, now, this isn't a new port. In fact, it was released as a TRS-DOS disk back in 1996. Uh, it was created by Digital Reality, but I believe the recovered TZX file is what makes this news in inverted commas, Um, and it makes this obviously easier for you to load this on your real Spectrum or your emulator. And what is cool about this when you look at footage of this port is um, it really does look and feel like how Doom would have looked if it had come out on the Spectrum. So rather than it trying to actually play the full version of Doom, because you know how like sometimes a game would come out on all platforms, but they would be distinctly mm. different, especially in the 8 yeah. slash 16-bit yeah. crossover. Yeah. This is what this reminds me of. It's it's called Doom and, and you kind of got the, you know, the the GUI down the bottom that looks Doom. Mm-hmm. And other than that, it just happens to be a first person shooter. It's not necessarily yeah. Doom. And I like it for that. Yeah. It really does look so so very spectrum. Has there been a CPC port of Doom, Dave? Uh, and as an Atari fanboy, um, and you know, and a Jaguar driver, may I also say, what are your thoughts on the Jag as well?
0: Well, Doom was first released in the Amstrad CPC. So while John Romero was explaining that why the Amiga wasn't capable of running Doom, he was playtesting it on his CPC six one two. No, of course he was. It was never released in the Doom. Um, the only the only related thing uh, was a. Uh, 2015 port of akalabeth world of doom to the cpc which is Ultima zero so it's always nice to get an ultimate reference in i've always had two minds about the jag atari must have failed to get devs to take it seriously because it only had kind of really one must-have game um a console launch of its magnitude meant that atari should have had four or five astonishing games at launch with another dozen or so in the pipe to come out soon afterwards. Otherwise, the console would have failed, and that's why it failed. And By then, companies tended not to do in-house like Amstrad did with Amsoft back in the mid-'80s. So Atari should have been at Rebellion Software, they did Alien vs. Predator, or other places to make sure it happened. Maybe they were they were halfway there. Uh, I mean, they they they, they published Tempest Two Thousand from Lamasoft. I know that you haven't mentioned it today, but it's seen as one of the the kind of the killer apps for the the Jaguar. It's a great game for the Jaguar. I mean, Rayman came out. It's a great port of it.
1: Yeah, no, on Tempest Two Thousand, I get that, and it is a good game. But I think when I got my Jag on launch, the last thing I wanted to do was play a rehash of mm. an ancient Atari game. And it, it yeah, seems like yeah. this is this is Atari. This is all yeah. they ever do.
0: Because even now yeah, we, sure. we talk about the same thing of Atari rehashing old IP. If they had Tempest two 2000- thousand as part of a set of four or five games alien versus predator some kind of maybe beat them up game some kind of one v one fighter a role-playing game a strategy game and they had that as well then it would have been it would have fitted in quite nicely with the launch titles but they mm-hmm. didn't get those done and that that's why it didn't succeed so i'm always in two minds on one hand the jaguar was technically very capable uh, i know that It's seen as having just a sixty-eight thousand in there, but it had Tom and Jerry. The sixty-eight thousand was kind of just in control of those. The same way that the kind of the PC Engine, it said it was just an eight bit, but it had the its eight bit had in in charge of two, in charge of more than one. I don't know how many PC. I watched a video this week from Neil, and I can't remember, but PC (laughs) Engine had several helper chips, several co-processors. The same way the Jaguar had, and if you didn't use them very well, then you didn't go on very well. But that's why the Jaguar didn't succeed because it it didn't get developers to use tom and jerry to their strengths and while it's great that modern games are being ported to it i'm not sure that's answering a question that many people actually have and i'm not getting i normally get FOMO. i normally get the fear of missing out saying oh i want in on this but i'm not getting it at all to the point where i want to own a jaguar i've, I've never felt that i wanted one so maybe this is for people who did have a jaguar who maybe now do have a jaguar like yourself maybe this is a great way for you to play stuff maybe you'll maybe you'll want to play Heritage taking your jaguar rather on your pc because of this I, I don't know uh i'm not i don't want to knock them but i, do, I don't think they're I, I don't think they're answering a question that lots of people are asking
1: i and even thought about that i think it, it's nice that they're doing it because it's Possible, but you're right. I mean, Ooh. most of us we want to replay the games on the original kit. So if you're going to play Heretic, you're going to play it on a DOS based PC or even in DOSBox. You know who cares, right? So yeah, yeah, you're right. I hadn't even thought about that until you said it. What is the use case here? I, I, I see the point of bringing Doom back up to more to scratch and more in line with the original PC version, because that's a challenge and it's an almost to prove that it can be done project, Mm. which is great. And off the back of that, I see the validity in adding Doom 2 to the mix. Um, But Mm -hmm. then to to push forward into Heretic, maybe it's just because they've thought, well, we've done the groundwork on these two and everything's Mm -hmm. transferable. So I I assume Mm -hmm. that's why. But, mm-hmm. yeah, who's who's going to want to play it? I, I don't know.
0: I, I'm, not, I'm not knocking them. In. I mean, if I, if I mm. had a Jaguar, if I happened to, to still have one I'd bought back in the day or if I'd bought one a few years ago, then I'd be excited about these. Um, mm. And I'm not knocking the the, the the technical achievement they're doing for doing it, which is great.
1: Reowning a Jag for me is a both blessing and a curse, to be honest, because I did love it back in the day. And I remember I worked for Game at the time, and Game were not stocking them. Um, uh, and I think that's down to Atari chosen this weird distribution model so I literally had to go into the next town to pick it up from a completely different shop um and I was excited about it at the time but then obviously the the disappointment after that sort of set in only about two or three decent games but it's one of those things where again you think you're surrounded by all the things you ever wanted to recollect and then you see a picture of a jag or even the jaguar box on somebody else's youtube video and you're like damn it
0: Damn it! I need one of those, and that's that's the main reason I re-bought one. I think the the image on the screen behind you of hmm. the the jaguar's face and the jaguar logo and the eyes that that looks great. I mean, that's fantastic about it. But yeah, I, I I've never had the jaguar. I never looked at it. And and to be honest, when it came out, I was so deep into um, oh, there we go. It's a lovely yeah. looking thing. It's a nice looking and piece of kit.
1: Yeah, this would Red look great black. as either a console in your bedroom or your yeah. or your lounge, or as a piece of dental equipment on the wall. Yeah, <laughs> or, or a Wi-Fi router, um, which is which
0: is well, where the mould ended up, wasn't it? It became a piece of dental yeah. equipment. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had, I, I, was so deep into PC RPGs at that point, I you couldn't have, you, I wouldn't have thanked you for a Jaguar, but mm. yeah, um, it, it's um, fascinating what they're able to do these, these days.
1: Yeah, it's true, um, and that's yeah, that's one of my closing points. As always, it's just nice to see what people can churn out on these machines, and it's nice to see somebody using the extra chips in the Jaguar. Nice, which I, I, I believe a lot of the modern homebrew does that.
0: The whole idea was you, had Tom and Jerry, and they were the powerhouses mm. in it, and you had this sixty-eight thousand. The sixty-eight thousand was just supposed to be dishing out the tasks to those. Yeah, and developers said, "Oh, sixty-eight thousand, we can just we can just shove all Atari SD games onto this." Yeah, exactly.
1: Or Amiga games like Zool, you know, why why did it get a port of Zool? <laughs> because they could, very easily. Yeah. That's that's the only yeah. reason. It's the only reason. And, and with regards to Doom, you know, as I said at the beginning, I didn't see the need to remake Doom on the Jag, and I stand by that, but with one exception, and it's this, and this is the the curse part of owning a Jag in 2023, The fact is that regardless of how terrible the Jaguar and the games for it were, the prices of Absolutely gone ballistic, and collecting for it is almost impossible for most people. For myself, I could afford them. It's just that I'm not that stupid with my money. If I can not to call anybody stupid, but you know what I mean. That's not a priority for me to pay 200 pounds for a piece of cardboard. Um, so yeah, it's it's sort of really pushing the relationship with the whole hobby when it gets to that point. So if somebody pushes out a better and dare I say it cheaper version for the Jag, then that just puts a smile on my face. Um, but also I recall uh, spending birthday money from my mum on doom for the Jaguar back in the day when it was released. So this is kind of a nice bookend to see the Jag getting a new port of doom for its birthday. So happy 64th birthday, Atari Jaguar. You don't look a day over 30.
0: Pixel Addict have kindly sponsored us and their Christmas edition is now on sale. Um the Amstrad Addict Special is still available, and I'll be reading it by the time you're watching this. I'm getting mine hand delivered to me at the cave. Um, I Ooh, arranged nice. with uh, Pixels at Dawn, or Ian as he's sometimes known, uh, to do it that way before I realised it was coming out about a month before I went to cave, but I'll wait patiently. I thought I'd have it in person. It'll give me something to do when I'm in the hotel room. Um, and also, you can still get a hold of the wonderful A2 poster for it, uh, the, the cover art. Uh, the new Pixel Addict has Christmas on the cover, and the cover story is all about Christmas-related things in our hobby, the good and the bad. And there's also an article on Half-Life's 25th anniversary, a game that I can assure you, Chris, has probably played. Start to finish. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Yes, Yes. Um, Great article. So what's the URL? Where can can people go to buy the magazine?
1: Pixel.addict.media Well done. Well done. I nearly started with media. I nearly started with media.
0: Thank (laughs) you very much for sponsoring us. Go and buy it on PDF. Get it delivered to you worldwide. Three and a half years ago, I watched a video from Bob at Retro RGB. That was a revelation. He'd started to use a device called time Sleuth, and with it, he could properly measure lag or, or latency on things like HDMI converters. So these are the devices that we would use to connect the various outputs from our old consoles and micros to a modern display. And Bob's video was a revelation. He was able to use this TimeSleuth to show how things really were, rather than subjective opinions like, I reckon you could show proper data to show not just that there was lag when there was lag, but also when there was variable lag when it changed. Now, the micro world is pretty well off compared to the console world because we seem to have a lot more devices with RGB output. So RGB output fairly easily translates to VGA or even to SCART. Uh, And those plug nicely into TVs. And they also convert very simply, very cheaply, without adding any lag to HDMI for modern devices. So if you have a, a device with an RGB output, you can usually go to HDMI without any problems. But there's two main things to watch out for. And the first is the lag or the latency that I mentioned. And if it's there, it's there. I know some people say that lag doesn't affect them. But it's nonsense. We're all affected by gravity and pretending it's not there doesn't work. You are affected by lag, but it might not have any, any, any detrimental impact on you. It's quite reasonable to say that it isn't a big deal to you, especially if you're playing an adventure, an RPG or a strategy games. In fact, it, even if you've got a significant amount of lag on those games, it's probably not going to affect you. But where you do suffer from lag... Uh, It's where you you load up a game you used to love 30 years ago and you suck at it. It's bad enough that we're all older and out of practice and our fingers don't work the same way, but lag can introduce an artificial extra bit of difficulty, and it's not inconceivable to me at least that people load up an emulator, they see a YouTube video, they click on it, they load up an emulator, they play a game... um, maybe on these these cheap Pandora things or when they get one for a Christmas present, they buy it on eBay. They don't cost too much. They play their favourite game for a few minutes and they don't enjoy it because they're not able to play it to anything like the way they did back in the day and it gets shoved away and never used again. Um, but again, it's important not to go overboard. Adding a, adding a frame of lag is not going to make a good player into a bad player. But once you start to get more than a couple, you're fighting against an invisible handicap that you may not even believe is there. Um, You you won't be able to tell it's there because it's such a small delay, but it it is there. Um, When I first got a mister, I got my mister before I watched Bob's videos. So when I did watch the videos, it helped explain to me just why I felt that playing on the mister was so good compared to other ways. I mean, I've been playing on on, on emulators since well last century uh and they're of varying quality but the mister mister felt better and i couldn't explain why um you could talk about how the mister simulates each part of the chain but i felt the mister was was much better and this to me perhaps explained why that was the case it was the, the lack of lag um but Bob's come back and he's done another video. He's he's touched a few times over the years, but he's done another video. And in my opinion, this is this is up there with the importance of the video he did, videos he did three and a half years ago. And this video explains the lag properly and it references the other videos um, where you can see the proof. So it's not just his opinion; it's it's fact. But he then goes on to explain another problem, one that even if you're playing strategy adventure games, you might still come across. Now, basically, for some reason, I don't know what the reason is. I don't think Bob knows it either. Almost all TVs and these cheap conversion devices you come across because the, the, the cheap conversion devices use the same things that are in TVs, um, use these inexpensive, easily available conversion chips. And they all think that 240p, which is the resolution that a huge number of things work in, is 480i, and they turn 240p into 480i. Then it looks okay, but it, it it gets this fuzzy, wobbly, jagged thing. And if something's flickering or flashing, then it goes wrong. And he shows Bob shows this in the video really quite quite well to the point you you will actually understand it by watching it. Now he says you can avoid all this by plugging a CRT in instead of a flat screen. He's right because if you plug in a CRT, you don't get these problems. But, of course, CRTs aren't aren't problem-free. Um, if you've got a CRT, then great. But if you don't have one, it's probably because you don't want the bulk or the noise or the, the heat and all the rest of it. And Bob's solution is he suggests that you should get a scaler. And the whole point of his video is here's why Bob thinks you need a scaler. And he then goes on to explain the differences and the costs of the most popular options. Chris, will you ever be convinced to use a proper scaler?
1: Probably not at this stage, but it depends on how things progress in terms of the availability of what I do use. Um, Let's put it that way. Um, So I've I've talked about it before. The N64 is the one that springs to mind in terms of looking hideous when plugged into a modern flat screen. Um, And the real only fix is to plug it into a CRT unless you go through something like a, a scaler. My, my, my main issue, not it's not an issue with it, but the reason why I haven't jumped on board is, again, um, I, I'm careful with how I spend my money and the good ones are not cheap. And that's because, well, guess what? You're buying quality, right? And you're buying devices that are specifically and very well made to eliminate these issues. Um, for myself, what it comes down to is, well, a couple of things. One is the availability of the solutions that I do use. And the primary one I use is, A, I have a, you know, which I got for free, a CRT in the corner for some of the consoles, be it Composite or even RF, and that works great. And one day it will blow up, and guess what? I'll go on Marketplace and I'll get another one probably for free or, or $50 Australian dollars or whatever. The other thing that I use, and I'm surrounded by them here, so maybe I'll give Duncan a photo to drop in, but the three monitors I've got my modern PC plugged into, and actually none of them are monitors. They're all flat screen 22 inch tv so i've got two lgs and i've got a what is that a toshiba in the middle there and the toshiba and this lg on my right have got scart and scart was not very popular in australia at all it's actually quite hard to get hold of and yet i found it no problem to get flat screens with rgb scart for 25 quid each to put it in real money um you know and of course scart tvs are infinitely easier to find in the uk so for me if there's an rgb to scart mod uh, rgb to scart um cable available for the system yeah that's what i'll use because it's pure it's yeah. direct and it is such a beautifully crisp picture you know it's so much crisper than anything i remember especially out of the amigas the spectrum is the one that put me into it because when i bought this spectrum it came with an rgb to scart cable so that's why i went to yeah. marketplace found the screen for it and when i looked at it, it was like oh my god this now looks better than my A500. What the heck's going on here? So then chased a similar solution for my Amigas and, and more screens with Scott. So for me, it's that I don't have a need. Um, and if I did have a need, because I have tinkered with this before, at the moment... I mean, I did try one of the cheap ones. I think we've had this discussion before, Dave, in, in Discord. Mm. I bought one of these cheap ones, which a lot of people swear by. A lot of the the console gaming collectors swear by these, mm-hmm. and there's there's a bit of a problem. So what I'm holding up here is is basically a, a gray box. You'll see them all over eBay that says HD video converter, SCART slash HDMI um, to HD SCART slash HDMI to HDMI 720 slash 1080p on the top of it. Um And it says Made in China on the back, and it's got – what's it got on the back? An HDMI port, power, audio, and a switch, a couple of selector switches. And then on the other side, it's got HDMI again. You've got power, and then you've got your Scott um, right there. Now – the issue is when these first started floating around, and I think this is what a lot of these console gamers are actually using instead of the one I'm holding here. They actually said Digitech. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Digitech. So it was an actually, mm-hmm. it was actual branded item, and those mm-hmm. are apparently not too bad for the price point, right? Mm-hmm. The ones you get now are not Digitech, and they are a real gamble as to the quality of what you get inside, even though all the boxes on the outside look the, t- look the same. So I've tried this. And I haven't used it much, right? And the reason is, and this is where I think think the sales pitch for these more expensive devices is the wrong one because everybody concentrates on lag, okay? This will undoubtedly have lag, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And yes, you're right. You're affected uh, by it just like you are gravity. Um, And it may even be variable lag. But I used my Amiga through this and I played um, Battle Squadrons which is a high-paced, you know, vertical strolling and shoot them up. And I played Lotus Turbo Esprit uh, 3, uh, Lotus Turbo Challenge 3, and two games I know very well and didn't notice an iota of, of um, imp- impedance to my own game-playing ability, if that makes sense. So I think, yes, while there is lag, and it may even be variable lag, like you said there in, in the intro, Dave, does it matter to me? Some people, it's going to drive them nuts, especially after they've, after they've watched a video explaining why it's there and having to slow down the footage uh, infinitely to to actually spot it. But if I don't notice in my own game playing, in my scores, to put it that way, then, then it doesn't matter to me. Um, but if it does matter to you, then you spend more and you do that. The reason why I'm saying that's the wrong sales pitch is all about lag is because the reason why I don't use this device it's because it's crap, right? So, and it's not the <laughs> lag, and it's not the lag, right? Uh, this particular one is absolute garbage. And what it is, is I was getting hideous snow on the image, absolutely hideous snow. And I was sort of working, trying to work out what is it that's causing this snow. Um, and then I switched off a completely different item in the room that had a power pack, and that made the snow go away. So, there's some really dodgy circuitry going on in this that's letting interference from some other device in the room interfere with the image quality. Um, And there was a few things I had to do. I could get it to go clear, but most of the time I would get quite a bit of interference Mm. in the image. That to me, that's the deal breaker. That to me, if this wasn't available or whatever, I, I didn't have these screens available. And the only way to plug any of these old bits of kit into a modern screen was via another device. Well, then this would go in the bin and i go, okay, fine. I've got to spend 300 quid on an upscaler or whatever it is, you know. Um, and, and of course you'd do that. Yeah, absolutely. That to me is the bigger issue than these couple of frames here and there of lag that that are made out to be, oh, the be-all end-all. It's not that. It's the quality of the image, quality of the sound, all of that. That's much more important to me. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. I, I should say uh, to frame it for listeners, the device you're holding up is cheap. I mean, it's fifteen quid or something like that to get them. They are easy to get hold of. You get them in eBay, you get them in Amazon. I mean, for what you get for your money. I mean, if you have if you have no way to connect your that old Amiga, you've taken out your loft, anything like that. If you've no way to connect it to your TV, then using one of these might be a fantastic way to do it. Um, I mean, for what you get for your money, they're great. But Bob points out in his video that the, what, what all they've done is they've taken the same chips you get for the analog inputs in your TV, and they've put the, those in those devices there to allow you to watch a VHS video and things. And if it works for you for video and so on, for watching your old your old um, tapes of the family birthdays and all the rest of it, then it's priceless for that. And it, it does the job fine, and that latency won't matter. But if it's making the, the image bad, then, yeah, that's when the scaler comes in. There's one scaler that Bob does mention, and it's the GBS control, which is it's an old board which performs just as as you said but you can modify it and if you put this modification on to make it gbs control it works great Um, it's nearly as good and it's actually better in some ways than the the more expensive ones and you can pick them up uh, you can make one yourself for about 20 or 30 quid. And I think people are starting to make them to the point where you might be able to order one. Don't know how much they cost, maybe 50 or 60 quid. And that could be the cheap scaler that you need because if it outputs VGA, going VGA to HDMI is super cheap, a fiver, and it doesn't introduce any lag. So th- th- there are cheaper options out there that are actually good. But yeah, there we go. So Bob's conclusion is that you should buy a scaler If you don't use a CRT, I don't think I'm going to go that far. Because I think on the console world, it's clearer, especially in the console world where, unlike Lotus 3 that you mentioned in the console world, you're having to respond to things much, much quicker. Whereas Lotus 3, you know the corners coming up and you're you're trying to drive sensibly that way. So it's not quite the same. But in a console world, I would say it's much clearer that you should probably have a scaler. Um, but in the micro world, it's not quite as compelling. So my conclusion is what I say people should do Is watch Bob's excellent video and then make your own decision about it. Let's go into the house. We talked a lot about the twenty six hundred plus and it's now hit reviewers and shops. The reviews are, well, as far as I'm concerned, the reviews have nothing surprising in them. It's exactly what we expected it to be. Chris, what have you got there?
1: I've got an Atari 2600 plus, Dave. There you go. Holding that up for the viewers and for the listeners. Yeah, because it's still sealed, Dave, because this is meant to be a birthday present. And even though, well, at the time this drops, ironically, it will be my birthday. But at the time of recording, I'm not allowed to open it, Dave. And the wife's actually going to wrap it up in wrapping paper. So that's just the plastic that it comes sealed in at the moment. Um, Yeah, yeah. So I've got one and I haven't touched it. And I've been avoiding everybody's
0: YouTube videos on it. I don't want anybody else's opinion before I actually play it in my head well no. i'll try not to spoil it too much <laughs> um the reviews are, are, are there's no there's, there's no shocks there's no shocks in it uh, it runs nearly all the 2600 and 7800 games with a small number that don't work the ones that were listed as untested at least some of those actually do work so it's not a case of atari being dodgy and saying untested <laughs> uh, meaning it doesn't work um that's not happened um What's not clear yet is what the first firmware update will deliver. Potentially, it could close a lot of gaps and little fixes, or it might do very little. Nobody knows yet. One thing people have picked on um, is that most multi-carts don't work. And again, this is exactly as expected. We thought it was going to be a device that, that dumps the ROM into memory and then ran it, and because of that, most multicarts won't work with it. The ones that do work are the ones with dip switches. And the dip switches will determine which part of the image is exposed to the machine. And that's how the actual carts that come with the Atari 2600 work. They use dip switches to do it. So those multi-carts will work. But what it means is there's no simple way to get homebrew games to work on the 2600. You can't download a game and play it on there. And I hope that changes. Now I appreciate the console designed with the idea of plugging a physical cartridge in, and that's certainly attractive. But I think Atari should be wondering how they get a cart out there that can be flashed, even if it's not a multi-cart, even if it's a single game cart that you can plug into USB to your computer, so that people can play homebrew games on the twenty six hundred plus. But it's early days for this. I think this. I think and I hope that the 2600-plus stays around for years, and I hope that things change on it. I hope they, they put little bits on the emulation. It might even be that they they, they they do a lot of work to get games like Rampage 7800 working on it. Um, even if the emulator has to do a lot of work in the background to do that working, I hope they get that sorted. Um, but I, I, I haven't bought one yet because... I've got so many other things going on. I'm not ready to play it. And I'm hoping the cost comes down before I do. So I'm a little bit cheap there. But I think you're looking forward to yours, aren't you, Chris?
1: Yeah, and I, I am, and I don't know why, because I've got <laughs> I've got a six switcher Woody, I've got a Vader, I've got a Junior. There is absolutely no need for this thing in my life. And now that I've got a working video pack. I'd actually rather spend more time playing that. But, yeah, I still ordered one, and and I'm looking forward to unpacking it. But, yeah, for me, it's again – well, it goes back to the modern TV thing. Uh, This, once it's opened, it's not going to be a collector's item on the shelf. It's going to sit in the front lounge. So if I feel like some Atari in in the front lounge, then turn it on, and off you go on the big
0: TV. What I'd like you through, though, is did you get the enhanced version of Berserk? You did, didn't you?
1: Yes, yes, I got that here. And I also got – so I got the enhanced version of Berserk – um, that's there. So it'd be interesting to see a, if that plays on an original and be, yeah, that's what I'm going to ask. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll certainly test that for you and I'm sure somebody else will, will have probably beaten me to it by the time I get around to it. I got the, um, the four in one with the paddles, Paddle. mainly because I just wanted pong and I'm actually hoping that that cartridge will work on an original so I can play pong Ooh. in, in, I think that's in video Olympics. Pong is nestled in there. Ooh. So that's the main reason for getting that. And I also got just because I think it's so cool to be able to pick up in a shop a modern Atari 2600 game in 2023, Mr. Run and Jump, which I believe is actually pretty average, but I don't
0: care. That's just an awesome Mm. thing. Just an awesome thing. It looks okay. It looks okay. It's a modern game. It's a modern indie game, though, rather than a... Yeah. It doesn't feel like a 2600 game from the past. But, yeah, the idea of being able to... That's what blows my mind. The idea of being able to plug that into... A thirty-five, a forty-year-old console and playthings. So yeah, I, I I think the coverage in that is going to be interesting once the new firmware drops. I know that Reese. I've spoken to Reese about it, and uh, he is going to be doing a video on it. But I think he wants to get a video that answers as many questions as possible, because as always with these launches. People scrabble to get a video out and it doesn't necessarily answer all the questions you have. I watched two or three of them and I probably didn't learn very much, if anything, from the second and the third videos because the, 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 it's only the surface being scratched and exactly what it does. But the one I did watch, controllers work as you would hope they would do in other things and other controllers work with it. So it's all it's all good news so far. And on a similar note, on a slightly related note, Neil was at Crash on Saturday. Him and Alex had a bunch of arcade machines from the archive. And I've not really spoken to Neil at length. Uh, he's so busy at the moment. But he had a great time, he said, and he was lots of excitement about the Spectrum Next, which is going to be with people any time soon, perhaps even arriving by the time this episode comes out, it's just, it's it's hanging in the air. It's ready to draw up the spectrum next. You've seen pictures of all the boxes and all the rest of it. Um, and as I said, I'm down in the cave at the weekend, so I might end up recording next week from the cave, Dave in the cave, maybe next week. The channel has had a milestone. We now have 8,000 subscribers. Yeah. 8,000 people subscribed on YouTube. So tell all your friends, let's get up to 10,000. Oh. Um, <laughs> There's an update on the BBC Micro thing, Chris.
1: Oh, that's right. Uh, There was an update on the BBC Micro thing. Basically, last week we talked about the augmented reality or mixed reality BBC Micro, that essentially you're playing a virtual BBC Micro in a real room um through the wonders of modern technology and the the beta is basically available for public testing um and so from what i understand and this has opened my eyes to a whole new world it's not you don't need to download it onto your quest 3 so it is with the quest 3 um but you don't need to download anything it's not like an app that you install it's it's a sort of ar or mixed reality web app in commas. So this is beyond me at this point, Dave. So we've got an internet for uh, augmented reality, have we? Is that is that where we're going? Is that what this is all about? It's all on. going to be thrown soon. Oh, dear, it will be. So that's that's quite exciting that you can do that kind of – you don't even have to download anything. It's essentially a augmented reality webpage and it does work. And the latest video that accompanies this announcement, so do check it out in the subreddit. Somebody's posted it in there, is um, – Uh, You've actually, they've got these menu icons. So you've got, you're you're in an actual physical room. You've got this um, virtual BBC micro with the display in front of you, but then you've got these augmented reality icons hovering above the video. And that's where you choose what game you want to play next. So the whole thing looks very trippy, very exciting. And several people are already in the comments going, this is the excuse I needed to buy a Quest 3. So I still wish it wasn't owned by Meta, Dave. I so wish it wasn't owned by Meta.
0: I know, I know, I know um we have a new patron thank you very much to mark for signing up if you would like to join mark and our other wonderful twirlers uh, then you can go to www.patreon.com slash this week in retro thank you very much mark it's very much appreciated and in brief from the subreddit, there's a submission about a sixteen thousand dollar option for a cancelled Konami game for the NES, lost forever. Feared. Um, there's a, an article about John Here's sociable soccer. So John Here was sensible um, soccer back in the day. Um, an article in the Register explaining that a single core, so one core of a modern PC, gets you in third place. On the 1993 list of top 500 supercomputers, so if there's any <laughs> any doubt, any doubt the games are bloated and wasteful, now there you are. Um, Sega are talk are thinking about reviving other classical Sega IPs, so modern gaming continues to look back to the retro era. Retro um, era. Cheese. Now that's related to retro because. Um, because of the atari link um has announced it be removing its iconic animatronic brands from all locations i've never been to a chucky Cheese, and when i heard about it i didn't think it was real i didn't think these things were real but apparently they are real there's a theme park for zx81 sort of and there's also an all-in-one msx there is a pajako submitted a a thing to a core 77 which is an aftermarket device for switching between games on the atari which looks a little bit janky but quite clever and there's more in the subreddit so go to our subreddit um reddit.com slash r slash this week in retro browse through the article submit your own click on the upvotes to tell us what you'd like us to talk about next week
1: if i say commodore Well, most Australians think about a car. But that aside, most of us think about the C64 and the Amiga um, from the 80s and 90s. Their first computer was, of course, the PET in 1977. And then most of us would leap to the VIC-20 in 1982 as their second. And in fact, Google Commodore's second computer, and that's the answer you'll get. Uh, As G7VFY pointed out in the subreddit, that's wrong. The link provided takes us to a story on Commodore International by Dave McMurtry about Commodore's actual second computer. Released in 1978, it's called the Chessmate. As the name would suggest, it's a dedicated chess computer, which is possibly why it gets overlooked. It was the creation of Commodore and contractor Peter Jennings, who had previously written the Micro Chess program, and the Chessmate runs a modified version of that program. It's powered by a MOS 6504 CPU and the Chessmate is is quite a nice looking flat beige square for want of a better description, featuring two two two-digit LED displays uh, that detail the intended moves in the form of the chessboard grid references and some flat membrane input buttons to control the device itself. It doesn't come with a chessboard or any graphical representation of one at all. Instead, it actually comes with some markers that you can place next to a traditional chess set to help with the grid references. So basically, you have to make your own move on a real chessboard, and then you tell the computer by pushing the buttons what you've just done by way of grid references. The chess mate will then calculate what it wants to do to counter your move, and you're, you then have to action that um, on the board itself, really, for your own visualization of the game. And that's how the game progresses. And it'll even tell you when you've put in a move that isn't valid and that kind of thing or when you're in checkmate and obviously um, sort of quite important for a game of chess. Uh, this is demonstrated actually excellently in a video by Graham Binder, or from the Commodore Cave, which is a Perth-based YouTube channel. Um, and he shows—he basically shows off—he's got a wonderful boxed copy of this. Um, chess mate from commodore in his collection and he he takes you through how to use it what it looks like and how you play it alongside a real chessboard um so his channel is at commodore cave 5581 and um obviously we'll put a link to his channel and this video in the show notes he's been very kind to let us have some visual for the youtube version of this uh, podcast so we do appreciate that um dave chess and chess computers or software is is that your thing
0: when you described how you use that Chessmate thing, it rang a bell. I've used something like it. Now, it's not a Commodore one. I probably would it branded Commodore. But I've used something like it. I've seen it used. Maybe I saw it in Tomorrow's World or something. Um, clever little devices. Chess was my thing. I played chess right up to the point where I got a computer, and I don't think I ever played chess again once I got the computer, other than maybe watching Battle Chess to see how it looked. Briefly, I I do like board board game style games, but I like it when they go further. RPGs and strategy games must see their roots back in chess in some ways, but there's much more depth. They can bring in a story. They can last across... Games that you play there's much more to them and julian gollop games i think are the easiest way to show how board games became computer games you can see the board game roots in them and how julian gollop games have got strict rules that the that that are followed by the computer when it's playing so i'm talking about things like the original chaos to to rebel star and lords of chaos and laser squad etc those games are, are are what chess was um, but taken to a, a level where you couldn't you couldn't do it in a board game. You needed a computer to do it. Um, but the beauty of chess is that you've got fixed rules. You can't cheat. You know what the rules are. There's no surprises or limits imposed to what you can do to stop you winning. Many, many strategy games and RPGs end up cheating. And while each time they cheat, you might not be aware of it, you do get the feel for a game which isn't being played fairly where they couldn't get the computer to do the ai properly so they just rig it and that's when it's like that i i don't enjoy it so much so that's that's where the beauty of chess is there but i i i played chess up until i got a computer and i never played it since i've never looked back i've never thought i should play chess again um i I prefer other games to it
1: yeah, no, that's fair enough. I, I, I also loved chess and love all different versions of chess. Even in recent years, my boys tried to teach me. I think it was Japanese chess, which is completely different to traditional chess or what we know as traditional chess. Um, yeah, yeah, much different game. Uh, but just love it, love the history of it. Um, in terms of early computer chess, uh, this, this, this mechanism of having to make the moves on behalf of the computer Uh, that's reminiscent of the first computer chess I ever got my hands on, which was given to me by my chess teacher, because I did, in fact, for a while go every Saturday for chess lessons, because we had a grandmaster living just around the corner from us that my brother got to know because he'd done some um, some, um, painting and decorating work for him. So I got to know this guy, nice old guy, um, chess master um and had this massive collection of different chess sets so to talk to me about that and he would when he first started teaching me he would basically play without his queen that's how good he was <laughs> um, and then we play the game and he'd sort of give me chance to take back moves to just explain what i'm doing wrong and how i could better strategize and all of that kind of thing really nice little period of life um, i have fondly um but basically he gave me well he didn't his wife did when he sadly passed because he was a much older guy um, but this computer chess, and it was this – it almost looked like a small travel chess board, but you put a 9-volt battery in the bottom, and it had a series of lights. Uh, so rather than the grid re- references, which it also had, um, it had these LEDs next to you know each row and each column. And then it would um, – and, and the chess pieces, tiny as they were, had the pegs in, which is why it feels a bit like travel chess. So you, you basically put all the pieces in. And then to make a move, you press your piece down so that it activates a switch, Mm -hmm. and then you move it to where you want to move it to, and you press it down again, and then the computer will either accept or reject that as a valid move, and then it will tell you what piece it wants to move. So you press it
0: and where it wants you to move it to, and then you press it in again. I'm sure I've... I've, I've fiddled one of those i've seen one at cubs or something or somewhere i've shown it yeah. shown it in school or maybe even the telly it's definitely something i've seen before though that, that that's definitely something i i've i've had and forgotten about until you've mentioned it today so that's two chess memories chased <laughs> out of the the the, the the cobwebs of my mind yeah, no, it's cool. So yeah,
1: I mean, the way Commodore were doing it way back in what did I say, nineteen seventy eight, is you know it didn't it didn't move much beyond that. It's not like I well I've certainly never seen a computer chess board that slides the pieces magnetically for you. I'm sure something like that may exist out there, but I've certainly never seen one in the flesh. It always requires us to move the pieces um, until you get onto playing chess on an actual computer on the screen. Yeah. And obviously, then you lose the tactile of holding pieces, moving pieces. Um, but you, you replace that with a 2D visualization. And, and obviously one of the go-tos was Battle Chess. But before I got my hands on that, it was Chess Master, which came as part of the 10-star games pack. I, I swear we must have played either on the Spectrum or the Akon Electron a version of chess on either of those two as well. So I, th- I think one of the reasons I liked playing chess on a computer is because you don't have to find another person in the house to play chess against. You can practice it in between. Um but, yeah, I've still got many chess sets. In fact, we've got uh, a stone chess set in the garden, which people enjoy during parties and stuff like that. And I've got some hand-carved soapstone chess sets from Africa um, that uh, one of my mates bought me when he visited over there. So I still love the game, but I don't play it anymore. So a bit different to your reason, Dave. So you stopped playing when you got into computers, and I can totally understand that because then you've got another method of in- interacting with a game that's that's perhaps more engaging – for me, I liked it when computers came out because then I could still continue to play chess. The reason why I stopped is because I, I taught the game to my, my twin boys and they're incredibly intelligent boys. And so I stopped playing when they started to consistently beat me because <laughs> it really annoyed me and I hate losing. So then I'm just like, nah. And now my game's got really, really lazy. So even though some if somebody's talked up an opponent and I get sucked into a game... I will. I will straight away just go. All right. I wonder if I can get away with fools, mate. And if I, it's the worst way to start a game because if you can't get them with fools, mate, your entire strategy is is a complete mess from that point on. It's just a whole series of trying to correct your mistake in in starting the opening that way in the first place. But anyway, that's why I tend to not play. I should probably get back into it. Anything else, Dave? Would you go back to playing chess? What about if chess was in augmented reality? So we could have yeah. the three D board in front. No
0: not interested no, I, I i there's there's other strategy games which have a story which have a, a story to tell at the same time so i'd i'd rather play those than than, than chess Um i'm not saying it's a bad game i don't want to uh, say anything bad about it but there are other games out there um it, it was maybe the the first well it won't be the first game but it'll be it be the the first strategy game that many of us, many of us played but there are other games that i'd rather play
1: Nah, that's fair enough. Chess isn't everyone's game, no pun intended. Um, but I've always welcomed the ability to play, like I said, against the machine. Uh, and, and actually part of that is the challenge is you can't bluff it. You can't fool it. It doesn't have pity or remorse, and it absolutely will not stop until you're in checkmate. Uh, and, and that's a, actually a good way to learn the game, not on the shortcomings of your opponent, but on the pure brute force of anticipating almost every single outcome until you guarantee success. Um, I'd love to play chess against the Commodore's chess mate. I just hope it doesn't play as well as my son, Luke.
0: Last week, Neil asked, if you could wave a magic wand and make the price crash on a particular piece of retro kit, what would it be? Atari so Jaguar Games. Sorry. Atari Jaguar <laughs> Games, that's, that's there. Um, and let's go to the subreddit. And, Chris, what is the top answer on the, the subreddit? The top
1: answer is Atari Jaguar. No, it's not. Family Fortunes. Um, it's
0: it's Those Fisket. Are
1: family Fortunes, they say top answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's from Fiskit. He says, houses. What? <laughs> he goes, I haven't got the space to put the stuff I've got now in, So let alone an Amiga 3000, a Risk PC, SG-1, O2, and all other sorts of machines I can't afford. So,
0: good answer. How's this? Um, Ralph wants it, says, Hi all, I am new here. Hello, Ralph. Um, I am lucky to own an Amiga CD32. Lucky. But I would love the price to crash, so hopefully the game prices will come down. They are currently stupidly expensive at the moment, and that's because they were sold for 50 quid in the bargain bins when they failed and people didn't buy games for them. Just unfortunately. like a jag just like the Jag, yeah.
1: you can burn them. Unlike the Jag, you can just burn them on any CDR and they work, mate. I haven't bought a single one. I've been gifted one, actually. Just burn them, mate. You can find the – you didn't hear that from me. Anyway, um, yeah, Burn the, make backup copies of your originals is what I'm saying. Yeah, yes. Yeah yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: I swear Sorry, to do. I got do. something
1: in my eye. Yeah. Next is Richard Shears. He says, ah, what a question. Fantastic. See what we did well done, Richard. Yes. Um, he said, quite simply, 486 PCI bus based personal computers. I know I can hear Dave saying, as it's uh, just as it spoke, we don't need 486s. The best PC for this era is a 233 MMX based system. It covers everything the 486 can do, but better, cheaper, and easier. And I completely agree. And I have one. Well, maybe a few. However, I still can't shake the itch, and I still desire a four eight six. Uh, sorry, a DX4-100 PCI-based Amstrad. Ooh, nice PC. Um, it was the first PC I had, and I really want to relive those memories. Also, while streaming of the Unobtainium, a 3D Blaster a PCI, as anyone who has had the misfortune to watch one of my RMC Lockdown submissions might remember, this was my first misstep into 3D acceleration, but did have the best version of Quake, and also Papyrus NASCAR. Anyway, now that I've waffled on too long, I'll shut up. Didn't you give me your your 3D blaster? Now, what did you give me? So the 3D blaster was was that the Banshee? That was the Banshee. That was the Banshee. Yeah.
0: To with what Richard says, Rich says about me saying that a three a two three three is better. The reason I say that is because 486s are expensive and the parts for them are difficult to get and expensive. The price was down, the price did crash, like Rich says. Then I'd be I'd be advocating get the four eight six because they're a lot of fun. There's a lot a, a lot more to them than there is to with the, the when we moved from the kind of two eight six era onwards, we had ISA 16-bit with ISA 8-bit and then moved to ISA 16-bit, and then things went exploding. The things we had Isa, we had mca we had visa local bus and then things calmed down again and we went to the pentamira where we had mostly just pci and ISA before agp came around um lord borak says amiga cd32 genuine controllers even though they're crap so true um people talk about the amiga hmm. power pc amigas um jupiter ace CRT TVs or monitors. Now, Pajaco's in the UK, and he's he's probably right. They're more expensive here in the UK than in America. it Seems America. There's a lot, a lot of them still in basements in the larger houses. We we have much smaller houses here. They tend to have all gone to the tip already. um People, more people, saying the Amiga, Fairlight. Uh, I'm with Chris. The people driving up the prices aren't necessarily enthusiasts. Someone agrees with you, Chris, for once? Someone agrees with me. Um,
1: Who is he? I'm going to send him a Christmas card. Antiques for Geeks. He sounds like a dealer, though.
0: <laughs> Antiques, Antiques for Geeks. He does. Yeah, that he sounds, sounds like, like one a of dealer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: hilarious. <laughs> um, can we have a question of the week for next week, please, Christopher? We most certainly can. So...
1: Given the Jaguar was a piece of crap, what Retro System's birthday do you celebrate the most and why? There we go. And you can expand that question anyway, which way you want to. Have some fun with it.
0: We'll see you next week. I will hopefully see you from the cave next week. Uh, Hopefully it'll be the three of us again. Um, Thank you very much for listening. See you next week. I'm waving. Chris was giving thumbs up and now he's waving. Bye-bye. Bye. This Week
1: in Retro was presented by Neil from RMC The Cave, Chris from 005 AGEMA and Dave.
0: It was produced by me, Duncan Styles. The podcast version of the show is available through your favourite podcaster including Apple Podcast and Spotify and the video version is available on the This Week in Retro YouTube channel.
1: Join our community subreddit at r thisweekinretro to suggest and vote on the stories we cover on the show. If you watch This Week in Retro on YouTube, please give us a like and subscribe to help us reach new viewers. If you enjoy our show and would like to support it, then please check out the link to our Patreon page in the show notes or description. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for more up-to-date news for out-of-date tech.